we're not free Mm -hmm. from certain things, you know, expectations from our parents or whatever. And so you're supposed to do this thing and not that thing and da, 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 da. And you can become so disconnected from your own nature that it becomes even more and more and more important that you find places and and again voluntarily willingly participate in entering into the desert so to speak entering into the wilderness and that's very much what artists do they enter into into the desert wilderness find some things see some things express it to the rest of us This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the challenges of the creative call so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Okay, so we got a podcast episode and we had a bunch of technical challenges getting this thing off the ground getting it started i actually already did an intro but i erased it and i'm doing it again so welcome to my second go around everybody although it'll be the first for you second for me second for us anyway so um (laughs) great preamble great preamble okay we're talking about we're kind of talking about aimlessly a little bit we're talking about the desert and the metaphor and the symbolism of the desert and how this plays into you know, self-discovery and also creativity. And somehow by getting rid of everything that is kind of often available or sometimes a distraction, we we are in this place of barrenness. But in barrenness, there can also be a kind of suffering that happens too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this is all going to play in. Anyway, that's the best I can do for presenting it because we don't really have a title, but we'll yeah. figure that out in time. And uh, Evan, I'll throw it to you. What do you got? Well... You know, maybe the title is something like when the path leads to a desert or something like that, you know, because that's very much part of everything way of the artist. We talk very often about your path, finding your path and all of those things. And and we very often use the, the image and the metaphor of like a mountain or something or a forest, but never really have we gotten into this really really ancient metaphor of the desert and in the initial start to this <laughs> to this podcast you talked about you know like how how the doors went off into the desert and burning man and and even you th- thinking of something like las vegas right was a place that that was built in the desert and why was it built in the desert well because that was where they were free to to have gambling Mm. and so there's this whole thing with the desert as being a place of of freedom there's a freedom out there but there's also a desolation Mm. out there too and and it's this place that people continue to go to the desert to to seek, to find, to to discover something typically in like an internal thing. And there's this, it's sort of like an outward manifestation to go into the desert to reflect like an internal space that you're trying to find. And as you were mentioning, the desert when is a place of there's there's nothing. You know, there's there's next to nothing in the desert, almost nothing to be 
distracted by in, in any way whatsoever. And that can be a very challenging situation. It can, it can be a, a very scary thing to do. Like I, I even think of, you know, some years back when I did one of those 10 day meditation, silent meditation retreats, there was something very scary about that. And you could look at that in the sense of you're entering into a kind of desert you have where you have no interaction. You're just completely with yourself and your thoughts and your mind and and you're immersing yourself into that kind of experience where you don't have you really don't have much in the way of stimulation going on around you and that starts to do something to you and it's and it can be hard but there's also tremendous creative potential mm. in fact you could argue that the greatest creative potential exists in that space where there's where there's kind of nothing mm -hmm. yeah this idea of stimulation i think is an interesting thing to to venture into because when you get away from stimulation like if you just put your phone down for example like a lot of times people put their phone down i mean i've noticed it with myself it's like oh yeah it's like oh what, what am i gonna do and you know getting into that ability to just sit and be and not have some type of thing that's being input or you know you know nothing kind of just let yourself be and see what happens mm -hmm. and you know i think that i think for people who don't feel like they're very creative i would suggest that you need metaphorically somehow you need to create a desert for yourself you need mm -hmm. to get rid of the input and get rid of the stimulation that is continually bombarding you all the time and get into a space of like literally not having anything other than yourself and that can be that's the first i think one of the first most important deserts we need to we need to conquer we need to explore and we can we can flip out in that you know like yeah like people can flip out in the silence of just being with themselves and and what will happen is you know if you try this and if you haven't tried it already you'll probably find that thoughts will come up that you have been able to avoid you know thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings that you've been able to essentially just push to the side or push down or mask or cover. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't want to face this thought. I don't want to think about this. I don't want mm -hmm. to feel that. And one thing that I've been working on, and we talked a bit about this before we even started recording was something I, I, I can't, I essentially just came across this recently and it suddenly made sense to me was that everything that I think I am and everything about my story of how like I am the way I am today and why I can do certain things or can't do certain things or what my quote unquote wounds are, I, I had this epiphany that all of that was bullshit and none of that was real. And this, is a, this was a very big shift because once... I realized that, and I, I'm sure there's some people who maybe don't, don't agree with me yet, but listen, we justify our limitations by the perception and the, uh, essentially the, the way we see the world and ourselves and the past and all of that. And if you realize that you have put all of that together and made all of that up, you're the one that fit the pieces. And they did, they fit so you think they work. 
but they don't actually go together. They're just, they just found a way to find a fit. And so, you know, for example, just to kind of give context to this, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect at one point and I was in this advanced drafting and design program. And I remember I went to coffee with my father and I told him, yeah, I'm going to be an architect and blah, blah, blah. And he said, and it was weird because he said to me, you know, you're not going to be an engineer. And I remember that hurt and I remember like it hurt me deeply. And I remember about 15 minutes later, maybe 25 minutes later, we went down to the water and we were, we were by the water and all of a sudden I broke down crying and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I just really hurt that you said I wouldn't be an engineer because I've been working so hard to do this. And he's like, oh, you know, I, I, he apologized. Like, I didn't really mean, like, you know, he's like, I didn't mean for it to come off that way. He's like, I just, I just didn't see you that way or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, it hurt me deeply. And, you know, and then so for the rest of my life, I kind of carried along this idea of like, you know, and whether I subconsciously or consciously, it was just kind of like, you're not, you're not an engineer. You're not going to be that. And ultimately, you know what? that wasn't the right fit, but it's still kind of a wound. The thing is, is that now I look at that, that story, if it has a play in my life today, it's only because I made it have a play. Cause it's like, Oh, my dad never thought I could do this. And so, you know, and, and I never ended up doing it. So like, there's something true about that or whatever. That's not true. It's just that, that hurt me in that moment. And, and, and so I never became an engineer, maybe because of that, maybe not because of that, who knows. But the thing is, is the way I put that story together was made up. I concocted it. I mm -hmm. perceived it. And so the desert is recognizing that you are not these things you put together, that they mm. are not actually you. And, and then you go, well, who am I if I'm not that? And that can be a very frightening thing. Yeah. You know, you bring on an important aspect, I think, of this because there is this stripping away. Yeah. You know, like that's really so much of what it's about. It's like, all right, we're going to strip away all of these things when we enter into the enter into the desert. Right. And what are you left with? Yes. You know, when it comes to and and what you're left with is is just the truth of of yourself or certain things and and that that's all you have to go with and that can be a very tough thing to do you know mm -hmm. it's not always a pleasant thing to face a truth that can be very uncomfortable and you know it's funny you, you're talking about just like you know being on your phone and saying oh yeah like you know how many times have i caught myself being on my phone like while the tv is on you know, like some show and I, and I do catch myself sometimes just being like, Evan, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, are you on your phone or are you watching the show? Yeah. Pick one. Yeah. Like, just like, if you're going to be on a screen, just be on one of them. Yeah. You know, and really just commit to it, you know, to the, to the one thing that you're doing. But yeah, like all of these distractions. And I think that that's, you know, it's one of those things that we have these events that we create for ourselves now and they're very often big group things but i think it's so important for us to willingly enter into that desert i think another word for it that's often used is just the wilderness like enter into the wilderness like the place where you are stripped away 
of your comforts, your distractions, your all of these things. So you can you can reconnect to yourself, that mm-hmm. you can reconnect to your to your place in in sort of the cosmos to on, on like sort of the the grandest scale of things because these are things that in in our modern world we're not we don't typically engage with as much because it's so easy to become it's so easy to just not leave your house yeah well that's true <laughs> you know like it's it's once upon a time it it, it wasn't and that wasn't an option you know for you to never leave your house for days at a time you always had to to be out and and there weren't as many things to just distract yourself with and and just basic levels of survival are so much more convenient now right where we for to to a large degree we don't have to think about a lot of these things but a lot of these things as and and this is not me knocking it's great that we can go to a grocery store and we can just buy things and we don't have the thing of if I don't hunt something or whatever, like I'm going hungry and my family's going hungry and we might die if this continue, you know, like we're, we don't live in that. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. But there's our connection to our connection to nature, the natural world, which I think is, it's something that helps us to connect to ourselves. And I think that very often that, that wilderness and that desert for many of us, when we enter into that space, it's a, it's we're thrown into it as opposed to willingly entering it. And I think that as human beings, but certainly if, if you look at the artist side of things, like you bringing up the doors, right? And they're, they're somewhat infamous trek out into Joshua Tree doing mushrooms and stuff like that, you know, finding themselves and as a band and creatively and you hear stories like that all the time but you know it's it's a it, it's a willing it it's a something that you are actually willfully doing you're you're not willing but it's uh what's the word that i'm looking for you're oh no that Con- is consciously no, 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 yeah or, you're consciously you're yeah you're will you're you're willingly you're voluntarily voluntarily that's a good way doing yeah. it as right. opposed to having it imposed on you having it imposed upon you yeah, yeah. and and but there's something about okay i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do this thing and enter into this space because it's essential yeah that's that's uh i think that's a really interesting thing to to look at with all of this is that there are times in our lives where we may be pushed to face ourselves and face the metaphorical desert. And when when it's thrust upon us that way, we we kind of resent it because we think, oh, like, this isn't fair. Like life's, you know, I ended up here and I just mm-hmm. want to get out of here. And, and, and all you're doing is like longing to get out of the desert. And, you know, we are way of the artist. So we're talking about kind of the artist perspective on this. But the artist who's who's actually after some kind of truth or some type of creative, I want to say ingenuity or, or whatever that might be, they would do something that's counter to what most people would do was they would actively go to the desert on purpose and remove all distraction and, you know, and what the artist teaches us is that they teach us that this desert is not 
as bad as it may seem. Because mm-hmm. most of us, when we experience the desert of our lives, we complain and we whine and we bitch and we moan and all of this, right? I mean, like if you read the Bible, just read the beginning of the Bible, read Exodus and read like numbers and all of that stuff, right? And you'll begin to see like everybody was just suffering in the desert. Mm-hmm. But what were they leaving? This is the thing. Like, I, like here's a little Bible study for everybody, <laughs> you know, whatever. But what they were leaving was slavery, and when they were complaining in the desert, they were like, oh, man, we just we had it better in slavery. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's just be slaves again. Basically, they were whining about that. And it was like your path to freedom from something that is not a good life might feel painful if you're reluctant in the in the period. And you, you talked about the desert being freedom mm-hmm. in and of itself. Yeah. But people, as much as they want freedom it's a scary prospect to to have freedom when you haven't had freedom in your life. Yeah. And what I mean by this is like for people who were born with phones, right? And they were given them as young children, that became an anchor in your life. It actually became a real negative thing in your life. And you don't know it because it feels so good, but it's like you love your chain. It's like you love this anchor that's attached to you. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think our, our next generations are going to have to figure out how to deal with, and I'm sure even people of our generation are figuring out how to deal with, is we have to learn to put our phone down. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to put it down, leave it at the house, go outside and, and, and do things in our day without it. Mm-hmm. Because it literally is an anchor and it, it keeps us attached to something and it's very hard to have us understand that that's not freedom because we have access to the internet we can get information at a whim you know all of these great things and yes those are all true and in certain ways the, f- the phone does create freedom mm-hmm. but in certain ways it, it's it's actually what enslaves you yeah and also limits your creativity and, and stifles you right so you know, for the artists out there who are truly after that in, in ingenuity and that kind of like finding themselves, yeah, put your phone down. <laughs> like, like put your phone down sometimes. You really have to for your own sake. And as you begin yeah. to part from it, you can begin to begin to have a relationship with when I want to pick it up and when I want to put it down, not just out of habit, like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I'm going to pick up my phone, yeah. you know? There's a lot of interesting motifs in all yeah, of this. There's, yeah, there's because yeah. just especially I mean the phone is a is an easy target mm-hmm. for for our our day and age here, but it's it's such a it's so representative of you know, and you use the word enslaved, and I know a lot of people, you know, they get their you know their asshole gets all puckered up real tight and it's like it's not you shouldn't use that word because historically and it's like like i i do understand that but at the same time if we don't use strong words to actually describe real problems i think we don't we don't do them justice either you know and saying it's like oh got an addiction it's like okay but like what if we thought about this as like enslavement mm-hmm. like you have like it's a it's a it's a type of of enslavement to this thing and which because it is you're not free and when we think of it in the context of thinking about what if you just what if you turned your phone off and put it away for the weekend mm-hmm. how many people Oh, yeah. How just get, get real uncomfortable oh, yeah. with that idea immediately. Totally. Like, let alone just, you know, for me, sometimes I just go and I'll take a walk 
out in nature and I leave my phone at home because there's a difference. Like I, there's a, there's a visceral difference for me when I'm, when I'm out in nature and I don't have my phone on me. And when I do have it on me, like it's, it's a, there's a completely different quality to my engagement with the environment around me. Right. Because my phone could go off or I could, you know, say, Oh, what time is it? Or whatever. Sure, like just yeah. these little things that you, that you just like, it's like, well, I'm not really here anymore. And, but yeah, that, that whole, if there's something, just think about certain habits or things that you have in your, your life, like your phone or whatever it might be. And just try that on. Think about it. It's like, what if you just put that away for a day? Just that thing. What if you just turn that off and put it away for a day? You weren't going to look at it or whatever it is. And if that makes you uncomfortable, right? And for some people that can be really uncomfortable, that means that you are not free. Hmm. There's and and to a large degree, I mean, you're born into any society, culture. You, you are you are born into sets of expectations, cultural norms, things like that. These are all things that to a large degree very often get they're imposed on us, right? And that often means we don't we're not free mm -hmm. from certain things, you know, expectations from our parents or whatever. And so you're supposed to do this thing and not that thing and da 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 da. And you can become so disconnected from your own nature that it becomes even more and more and more important that you find places and, and again, voluntarily, willingly participate in entering into the desert, so to speak, entering into the wilderness. And that's very much what artists do. They enter into, into the desert wilderness, find some things, see some things, express it, to the rest of us, you know, it's like going out. I saw something. Let me, let me, let me share this with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, it's a big part of what the artist does. I mean, the artist can take, you know, can take, uh, information or experiences that they have outside of the norm and, and, and sometimes they're not even going out and necessarily capturing new information out there that we haven't seen, but they're going out there and then looking back on us from a perspective. So like if you go to the desert and then you look back at everyone who's in the distraction of everything, you see it from a different perspective because you remove from all the distractions that are around everybody and you can see everybody almost like you're looking into a looking glass or looking into a snow globe and you can kind of see that world. And from there, you know, this can be a really great way. I, I know as a storyteller to be able to see what's going on for people and then go, oh, I, I see a story in here. And then you actually like as a screenwriter, I suppose as a novelist, it might be similar too. But then you go into some characters that are in that world, but you have that one foot outside the door as the artist kind of seeing the world they're in too. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're able to kind of look at what they're going through and at the same time be in it with them. And that's like one of the most important parts about storytelling, right? So as an artist, like going out to the desert, like... I would almost say it's it's necessary because mm -hmm. when you write stories from within, 
within the globe of um, you know this 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 thing, and you don't see it from the outside, you're kind of caught in the trappings. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 this is just all the same old shit. We see this all the time. It's all whatever. Yeah. There's nothing about it. But you know, we look at those artists who they somehow craft something that kind of shows us, and it has enough where we can go, wow, I can see myself through this novel or see myself through this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite movies, and I've mentioned this many times in the podcast, is Fight Club, which was a bit before its time. But I think with Chuck Palahniuk, who, you know, he he's an interesting writer in, in what he... He likes to be very provocative already. But one thing about him, which I think he was very good at or has been very good at doing, particularly with that story, was he could see society from the outside. Mm-hmm. And when he created these characters, Jack and Tyler Durden and all of this, it was really a reflection of our own cultural societal challenge. Mm-hmm. And then he threw it into a movie and, and kind of, you know, gave it an interesting kind of spin and all of that. But what's so fascinating about that movie is the more you watch it, the more you see how there was like, he had one foot outside the door. And it's like, how did you know that? Obviously, you broke away from the society for a moment, took a look at it, saw what we were living through. And then you went back in and, and then through these characters, you shared that story. And so yeah. the only way I could see it in a way was by you presenting it to me as though I was within it, but you at the same time had one foot out and you could through that show me an outside view of it. And I mean, some people totally miss the point. They're like, it's a cool movie about fighting. You know, it's like, no, but kind of, but no, you know what I mean? But that's, but sometimes that's, that's the thing, right? Is like, there's an entertainment value to it, which is enough to entertain the person that's not going to look any deeper, but still fascinating enough. So the person who does feels really rewarded and, you know, like they benefited. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where art really, that's where the great art lives, you know? Yeah. And there's one movie, uh, Evan, you'd be able to speak on this better, but I think it was a, a Marvel movie or something where it was like Cold War or something. But oh. They kind of, I think they kind of did that in one of the Marvel movies where they kind of were able to, to, to almost have more meaning or they stepped outside of the story a little bit. And they, it wasn't just your regular uh, superhero action movie. It actually had some kind of almost comments on culture. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it didn't live up to that degree. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely every now and then I think because, yeah, I've, not so much anymore. But yeah. I had been a bit of a sucker for Marvel movies for for a while. And I'm pretty disenchanted with <laughs> everything right now, that yeah. that's that's going with on well, here, with that. Here's my point, though, just before you carry on, is that every now and then a mainstream movie that seems very kind of almost plastic or bubblegum popcorn, however you want to describe it, all of a sudden it just does something a little bit more. And you're like, well, that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know, because it was entertaining and it had all the razzle dazzle and the glitz and glam and all the things that a big movie does. But then it had some some comment on society and culture and you're like wow like i feel like i got a little more out of that than what i yeah, was expecting it, it yeah. made me it made me think it made me it, it hit something yeah sometimes a little bit unsettling yeah right and and yeah and that that can and yeah a great story can do that a great story i think is a little bit disruptive and on some level and and it can be you know, in, in the sense of like Fight Club, for example, which 
in many ways like that movie is just more relevant than ever <laughs> it was more you know? i would say it was it was more disruptive than entertaining when it came out and that's why people had a difficult time receiving it yeah but it was so accurate that later people were like wow this is a really ahead of its time yeah. story but it was one of those stories that like on the surface like it did look very entertaining like this fight club underground fight clubs and like this looks fucking awesome but then people saw it and they were like what the hell did i just see you know it yeah. didn't it didn't quite have that popcorn feel that i think initially they thought when they were presenting it and marketing it it would have mm -hmm. But it, it became a cult classic. I mean, it's one of the biggest cult classic movies ever. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. sometimes when you're an artist, you're actually so far ahead of your time or so far removed in your presentation that people can't catch up to it as quickly as... Um, and Fight Club was a great example. Like some critics hated it. Like, yeah. you should read the critic oh, yeah. reviews. They're amazing. <laughs> like some of them. Oh, yeah. And then to see how wrong those critics were now, you look at them and it's laughable about their review. And yeah. it just shows how blind those critics were. Yeah. Right? That's, that's almost why Fight Club is so amazing. Because it shows how blind we were all at the time, which is now so evident and clear. But at yeah. that time no one saw it and that's where I, I love how the artist shows you something yeah and you're like wait a minute i'm not ready to see this yet and i re i reject it <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of how we are we are we don't always accept it we just go no it's shit i reject it and it's like and then time sometimes reveals yeah. that no you're just blind that's why you rejected it yeah i yeah. I, I remember i had like a, a special edition of that movie and it contained like a little booklet yes that that they put like all the of reviews. these snippets of the yeah. negative <laughs> reviews in it that it's just how much critics hated the movie and to a large degree it was i mean i don't know for what for whatever reason i mean it was there was something about prophetic isn't necessarily the right word i can't think of there's but it was almost it was agitating it, it was agitating but it it saw something and it saw a direction of things that was both it, it was relevant at the time but it, it's now it really does seem more and more relevant today like it's mm. it's interesting that you bring it up because i i haven't thought about fight club for <laughs> a while but i'm like yeah it's it, it, when i really think about some of the big themes of or some of the big things that it was communicating was essentially this this loss of of meaning right like when i think of of edward norton character edward norton's character in there like he was he, it was a, such a commentary on modern society and materialism mm -hmm. and the void that's that's there there's no there's just there's no no sense of connection to the world and isolation like all of the a lot of the things that we were talking about in, in, in terms of desert right like where yeah. it's you've got to, he was thrust to into the desert it's interesting i should never even thought about this but he was thrust into the desert but by trying to actually get away from it he actually entered it because that's like i mean i don't want to ruin the story but he it becomes self-destructive let's just put it that way and in some ways he's trying to pursue this thing of being complete and have these things and have everything he needs and ultimately it leads to his own kind of like 
unhappiness and unfulfillment and depression and you know and he can't sleep and all of this stuff right and it's interesting because then now that i'm thinking about it sometimes we need to get rid of everything so that we can actually see what we need because that's a lot of what that movie is about too he gets mm -hmm. rid of all his material things and then basically they only take in what they need at that point yeah and and it's it has, I mean, look, the movie's not perfect in the sense yeah. that it's not the ideal way to live because it's like, no. it's basically like going like, well, what if we just chose anarchy? But I do think there's a certain amount in this metaphor of the desert where you are almost destroying everything so that you can see what it would be like to be without it all. And then you would be free of it because there's a, there's a quote and I love this quote in, um, actually, I'm going to give you two. Sweet. Okay, so there's one that I love. love quotes. I love this one. This one, uh, the stuff you own ends up owning you. Yeah. Okay, that's one of my yeah, favorite quotes. I say quotes, that one a lot. Yeah. Right? So J Jack, who's, uh, you know, Edward Norton's character, he he is owned by his stuff. So freeing himself from that stuff, like literally we're talking about that slavery metaphor, he frees himself from that stuff and no longer is he bound to his things anymore, which mm -hmm. frees him to a whole new way of life and a whole new thing. Secondly, there's this quote, I fucking love this part, where Tyler Durden's talking to him in the bar and he says, you know, we're on the Titanic and it's going down and, you know, Martha Stewart's polishing the brass. You know, and it's like there's a certain amount I of remember that line. That's great. Uh, so good. But the thing is, is like there's a certain amount of us. We're trying to polish the brass on something that is tanking. It's going down. It's mm -hmm. it's on it's it's on its final leg. It's ending. And we're like we're trying to make it pretty and we're trying to, you know, and it's like if we could just accept that this is over and this is ending and let it die, like let it go down and discard it and go to the lifeboat and whatever and just you you wouldn't waste all your time and energy trying to perfect something that's not you know, and, and you can look for that metaphor in your life on a micro scale and you can see it in society and culture on a macro scale. But mm -hmm. it's such an interesting thing. Like, would you want to be polishing the brass on the Titanic as it was going down? And if you can see how you're doing that in your life right now, it could be very freeing because you're mm -hmm. like, shit, what am I wasting my time making this so important when it doesn't even fucking matter? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but we do things almost by rote because it's like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. It's like if you could just acknowledge the fact that this thing is going down and it's over, you could move on and you could be free and you could go do something with yourself that would be so much better. Mm -hmm. But you're still caught. You're trying to save something that was dying. Right. I mean, look, I. I, there's so many ways in which that metaphor has landed in my life. So I'm mm. going to leave it with our audience. And I'll leave it with you to think <laughs> about how that is actually happening right now in your life. But I found it very freeing when I started to identify that shit and seeing yourself. Cause there's these quotes in this movie where sometimes, you know, the first upon the first viewing, you're like, ha ha. Yeah. Martha Stewart polishing the brass. And then on, upon later viewings going shit, how am I Martha Stewart polishing the brass? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's freeing because you actually realize, Oh shit, I'm caught in the same trap. Yeah. There's man, I'm going to have to, I mean, I've seen fight club many times, but it's, yeah. I might have to, to give it another, another watch again. It is one of those movies that, you know, I, I come back to, especially in the sort of void of great films <laughs> that seems to be the trend right now and to go back to something like that. Because, yeah, there's 
there's a lot of things going on here it's in that movie and a lot that has to do with i th i think a lot that has to do with this conversation that we're having here you know this 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 like you know and and there's so many things going on in fight club like there's also this anger and a lot of people just think that it's like this glorified like you said glorified anarchy and it's like not really because you like if you, you would only walk away with that if you forget how the movie ends you know what i mean like if you forget what what goes on in the last you know i don't know 20 30 minutes of that of that movie you know where something something else happens you know that that flies in the face of that it's just like yes just anarchy yeah yeah yeah, yeah right but it's it's you know, there is an anger to it. And I think that was part of the whole, what was upsetting about that movie. And I think that there are movies like that that come around every now and then. Like I think of The Joker as well, more contemporary movie, which I thought was fantastic. There's something troubling about it. And to me, one of the most troubling things about The Joker was how how much I connected to him and his character, how much I, I understood his anger and his madness. Mm. Like that's, there was something about that, that just, and, and that, that's unsettling. It's unsettling that this, but he goes in a kind of a direction. And I think that that's one of these things, but when you enter into those spaces is that it can go in a really bad direction but it can also go into really a really good direction really positive direction and there's sort of a a choice i guess that to be made in that in that space and because these are characters that have to free themselves one way or another because they've been caught up in such a meaningless existence you know where they've been trying to fit into something that's like you said it's it's broken it's mm -hmm. like these are characters who who have made that recognition like you said polishing the brass on the titanic right and it's and there's this recognition and even though they might not be able to to say it or totally understand it there's this feeling that something isn't quite right and when there's no space to to go and and put those things and those feelings right and to wrestle with them feel them really destructive things can happen right really bad things can happen i think mm -hmm. that's that whole prophetic element because you can look at a lot of the in some ways like i i would say like the the men crisis that we have now right which is you know there's all there's for a long time you know when you look at how much crime is committed by men how much suicide there is in men how much violence there is in men right there's and and fight club is very much about that you know they are all going to this thing because it at least they can feel something there mm -hmm. right they can, they have a place to put all of this all of this shit 
right? And but it's not necessarily a good place, like. But it was just the only place, mm-hmm. right? And when you see uh, a lot of the pro- those these problems that are ongoing today, you know, men who have a hard time understanding where they fit, and it's it's not exclusively reserved to men, but it's. Uh, There's there's something about just how Fight Club kind of saw that that thing happening, escalating. It's like there's a there's a problem here and it goes really badly. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like because it really does say that. It, mm-hmm. it says this goes really badly if if we don't find some other path through this. But mm-hmm. this is where this is where all of this shit ends up. You know, it gets really nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there. I mean, and there's endless things to pull from from great art because often I don't think the artist even knows. Like, they don't even know what they're doing when they're creating something. Like, they don't. I totally agree with. They don't that. know the yeah. levels at which they're communicating something, and they might be trying to communicate one thing, and they don't realize that it carries several other great messages with it, and yeah. so. You know, I think um, as an artist, I think this is a good lesson for any artist is to, you know, you go and authentically, genuinely try to do whatever it is you're trying to do with whatever your creation is. And then at the same time, like, let it, I don't know if this is the right term, but like, let it breathe and, and accept that there may be, if you can get one truth, that trust that there's several other truths that are following closely behind it that you're not even aware of and then all of a sudden you'll see them later and maybe not maybe you won't but maybe someone else will and uh that's the beauty of doing something with 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 an open genuine like heart and intention Mm -hmm. and i think like this to go back to our motif of the desert right i think the reason why you go to the desert consciously voluntarily is that because you're looking to capture one truth, mm-hmm. if you can get more than one, then that's wonderful. But if you can capture one truth, so I'd say like, you know, for the artists out there, or the people that are pursuing a creative pursuit, you, you go to the, you, the desolated, you go to the place where you are alone without distraction, without all this stuff, simply to find something that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because when we started the, the, the origins of this conversation, you were like, you know, there's something about truth in this conversation that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how it ended up at the desert and it always kind of leads back to the same nugget that we started from. Yeah. But it seems like to me, you go to the desert to find something true that is too distracting when you're around all the... Mm-hmm. all the things in the world. And so there's a part of us that needs to go and be alone or be without so that we can get perspective and just step outside of this kind of spinning activated thing that has just captured our attention and distracted us conscious con- mm-hmm. constantly. You know, it's a, a moment to breathe yeah 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 there's like a push and a pull right because you also then need to come back and then you come back with the intention and that's important yes because because otherwise you're just you're not you're not connected with with 
the rest of society but then you have to go back out into the desert again it's right. this thing it's like you've got to continue to to go out and to come back in to go out and to come back in right it's not like a one or the one other one or the other yeah and one or the other isn't better and i think also something that just came up for me and i've tried this myself don't run away to the desert don't be like, mm. I'm running away and I'm never coming back. I Like I've, I hit a point in my life where it's like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going off. And it's like, you know, it's, um, uh, there's that kind of story is like you, you go on this great journey out to wherever you go so that you can come back and see why you left and why mm-hmm. it was so important, but you couldn't see the value of where you were until you left and went on the journey and went away. And you don't know. I think the other thing too, is if you get called out to the desert or you have a calling out to your metaphorical desert, whatever that is for you, that you don't look at it as like, okay, well, I'm going to come back in X months or weeks or days or hours or whatever. You look at it as like, I'm going to go out there until I'm ready to come back. And I don't know how long that's going to be. I think that's Mm. an important part of the desert uh, analogy is that you don't put a timeline on it and say like, it can only be this long and I'm only doing it for this. Like you have to, and and you're like, because you'll get to the desert. And one other thing, and we haven't talked about this, is you get to the desert and and the desert is beautiful, but also scary at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And there is the fear that will sneak in, which is when will this ever end? Mm-hmm. And that's an important fear, important fear to face and deal with and not know the answer to, to get over it and be like, it's okay if I don't know when this is going to end, because that is one of the trappings of our world and why we don't actually leave the comfort because we're so scared that if we leave the comfort, we'll never get it back. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real fear we must face, but it's also one of courage and one of uh, growing up and one of maturity. You know, and trust mm-hmm. and faith and all these other words that we like to dance with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrap it up. Yeah, we got to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, we got to wrap it up. I know. We got to wrap it up. We're time time constrained. We've done pretty today. good, though. We're pretty, done pretty good. We're pretty tight, you know, done well, I guess, properly. All right. Well, you, what's this beer that we're <laughs> drinking, Brandon? Oh, man. Oh, geez. I, uh, so Batch 44 is the, is the brewery. Um, yep. Got a growler pour. Now... It's a it's a Kolsch, and it's something like I'm forgetting the name. I turned out my phone so I can't even look at it. It's like not my uncle's or something like that. Not my oh, uncle's okay. Kolsch or something. Like that. <laughs> anyway, you can't miss it. It's it's uh, but it's nice. a newer beer they've uh, they've have on brew and. Um, I thought it was delicious when I had it at the brewery and uh, I, I like I was like this is really good and. Um, I thought it was really tasty, and you know what? I'm enjoying it now. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, it's it's been it's been really good. It definitely has that sort of European mm. kind of vibe to it. Not not skunkiness, but you know, it's got that thing. It's got mm. that thing that I I I can't. I I don't know what you call that. Someone out there knows. But uh, I've been enjoying it. It's nice, light, and clean. Well, that, and... that's the thing. That's why I kind of like it was light and it was kind of nice, but it also had a bit of flavor to it. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, skunky feels like a no. It's it's not. The, it, but, it is. It's it's not. But but know, I get what you mean. There's like a. It has a distinctness, but I yeah. like it. I don't know. It's not like a. But yeah, yeah, I get you. It's it's. Um, I just don't have have a better word yeah, for yeah. it, but it's got like well, a, you really threw a, it under the bus a certain kind of uh, <laughs> a certain kind of like a, 
pungence to it. Punch, that's still oh, not wow, even that's still not horrible, even good. Horrible. It's delicious. It's guys. delicious. It is. I'm not. This get is, it. None of this is a, a criticism. If you like Kolsch, I enjoyed it. That's my review. Um, not that we're paid to do that. We just do it because it's tradition. Okay, so wrapping this baby, wrapping up. this one up. Closing, closing uh, comments. Okay, I'm going to give you my final thoughts. And All right, leave do it, it. With you. Do it. Only because I started this conversation. <laughs> so here's when I'm kind of. This has been fun. This has been a, a really enjoyable conversation for me because it's reminded me why it's important for me to go off sometimes and just be and let myself be without and to um, embrace kind of the unknown and also embrace the part of being with myself in all of my shit, you know, because when you're in the desert or when I'm in the desert, I should say, I find a lot of my metaphorically, because it's not always a desert, but metaphorically, my my shit comes up like, oh, when will this ever end? Um, you know, am I ever going to figure my life out? You know, I feel this way. I don't like this feeling, but I don't have anything to escape to right now. Um, and to learn to be okay with that and sit in that and see that as natural and human and something that's just a part of this journey. And so I think one of the things that I've been really working on is freeing myself of any past stories or narrative or perceptions that I've had in my life. And I'm seeing why sometimes it's good to just go out there so that I can get some perspective on some of these stories and narratives I let my life get run by. And the ones I'm conscious about, I have no problem changing. The thing that I've, I've found is that there's these unconscious patterns that I have yet to identify. And the desert, metaphorically, is where I go to have them present themselves to me. So I can go, oh, I see that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, let me stop doing that now that I'm conscious of it. And it's it's a uh, visiting the desert becomes purposeful and becomes um, kind of an interesting thing. And also, I, I always love to find ways to fill the well creatively. And I do find, you know, sometimes I'll go on these these hikes alone, just off into nature, no music, no nothing, just me yeah. and nature, and that's it. And uh, that's often when I do have some of my best creative insights. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this really nice parallel between all that. So I'll throw that out to the world. And if you guys can can benefit from that, I hope you do. And it's been an interesting part for me in this mm-hmm. talk. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. We have this language for things these days because I was just thinking like oh yeah what do we call that when we say it's like oh yeah you know just gonna put the phone away gonna go for the weekend gonna disconnect yeah right gonna you know like what are some of the other terms you know but like we just we we talk about stuff like just like disconnect and da 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 but you know there's just something about when you when we return to this poetic metaphorical language and that I think is just so much more creative and captivating than some of our very literal terms for, for things. And that's actually like a quote that we were working on that was like, we're not quite ready to have a conversation about it yet, but there was this quote about metaphorical truths being greater than literal truths Mm. um, from Ian McGilchrist, which is like, Oh, this is loaded, but I don't, I haven't quite wrapped my head around it yet. But you know, there's this thing of, the that metaphor of the desert you know that is 
so much more evocative than just like a disconnect, you know, it's like enter into the desert, you know, incorporate that into your life a little bit more, you know, in, in just in little ways. But there's when you enter out into that place, there's stillness and there's silence and you give you give the deepest parts of yourself you know the soul which i think the in another one of our podcasts a thought had come to me where it was like think of, you can think of your soul as as if if the soul is too much of a you know woo woo term it's like well just think of it as as it's the the truest part of yourself or the truest parts of yourself when you, you need to have that stillness and silence to give that thing space to be heard, right? Because it's as powerful as a voice it is, as it is, it's, you have to really listen for it. You know, like you have to really listen for it. Can I and, say one thing before you finish? Sure. And you have to like, and this is something I've heard said by many great speakers is you actually have to learn to hear it Yes. because it's something that if you, if you never listen to it, you don't even know what it sounds like or feels like, or however you interpret that sensation of it. But mm -hmm. as you get closer to it and more intimate with it, it becomes something that you go, Oh, I, you can hear it in even the most distracting areas. Like, yeah. you know, but in your early infancy stages, you, you haven't had chance to really identify it yet. Well, it's so easy to just head out and just be thinking right nonstop. Yeah. Right. And just thinking and thoughts and, and stories and thoughts that maybe aren't yours. Yeah. That may aren't yours or just things that are constantly the things that are just on repeat in your head sure. all the time as it is. And, and that space of, of silencing that a little bit more. And, and, and there seems to be, there seems to be another kind of voice that comes, starts to come through, you know, a different kind of, of, of knowing that starts to come, to come through. And, and you need to give space to that. We give so much space to this for this other voice in our lives to come through. And we spend most of our times, most of our time in life in the modern world, giving that the floor, which is, I think, why it's ever more important that we, again, voluntarily enter into that wilderness, enter into that into that desert space, you know, every week, if you can, at least, you know, if, if some some kind of space meditation you can even look at as being that's a voluntary act of entering into the desert totally right? you put stuff away and you just sit yeah just sit with yourself you know and and the benefits to to meditation are pretty well documented at this <laughs> at this stage yeah you shouldn't meditate just for the benefits yeah because that's part of the trappings of yeah you you know <laughs> you enter into it not knowing what's going to yes. what you're going to find not knowing what's going to be there but you enter into it because because there's something there's something waiting for you mm. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show 
sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.